Hello everybody, Sam here with a quick announcement to explain what it is you are about to hear. Eric and I did a marathon recording session the other day, about two hours long, because he is going to be out of town in the near future, which was going to mess up our recording schedule. So we decided, you know what, let's just do a really long one, we'll break it in half, and there we go, we'll have two episodes, they can still come out on our normal weekly schedule. So you're about to hear the first half of our hour-long conversation. Enjoy. Intro time, yes? Yep. This is the file drawer. This is the file drawer. (laughs) That was terrible. Thank you for the audio or for the uh, verbal. What word, am I look, what word am I looking for? Singing. That's the word I think. <laughs> Introduction <laughs> to uh, the show. This is the file drawer uh, with Sam and Eric. Hello. What's up, man? How you doing? Doing all right. You ready for an exciting episode? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna see what we're gonna do. We're gonna record a little long. Mm, we'll see. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Because we have such a long list of things to get through. I thought we would just hit lots of really technical stuff right here in the beginning, um, defining things. And, <laughs> uh, I guess actually we should start, or I should start, by apologizing for last week because we, we did actually record a fresh episode, uh, but it was 45 minutes of... And then like 10 minutes of us talking at the end. So I'm not really sure what happened there. I think it's when I use my computer for other things while we're recording. So I'm going to not do that today. Yeah, it's so weird. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to watch the waves go by, uh, which sounds like a thing you do on vacation, but also while recording. I wonder if we can get like like one of those recording lights, the signs. (laughs) Yeah, on air. Yeah, that just like cuts off if it stops ever recording. Yeah. Or I could just keep my up on my screen and have the exact same effect. But I like like your thought. That way we can have everybody who's always trying to come into the room and talk to us while we're recording on air light. Yep. All right. Put that on the our our wish list. You Uh, know what? I actually keep on talking because I have to handle some business right now. (laughs) Um, Okay. I actually forgot to ask if um, someone could bring a dog. To our improv show tonight. Bring a dog or be a dog? Bring a dog. Okay. Bring a dog. Uh, so do you have like a, a roster of friends with dogs? Uh, one friend with dog. We don't need to mention the friend per se, but... Can we mention the dog? The dog is <laughs> terrible. <laughs> oh, is it the dog that destroys your self-esteem? It's Yes. It's the, oh, it's my favorite it's dog. the we, soul sucker. We dog sit, dog sit this dog fairly regularly. In fact, I think we are in like a week and a half as well. And this dog, he's great. He's a lot of fun to play with. Really friendly. Uh, but I think he has some memory issues. Because basically every day you have to reconvince him that you are friends. And until that point, he just runs away from you. But... So, so you think he'll be good in this party environment? Uh, I don't know. I have to <laughs> hey, first. I have to email my roommates and see. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is the type of uh, therapy that he needs. You know, just be around a lot of people. But like I said, I think he has memory issues. Anyway, though, last week we I, we put up we did put up an episode. It just wasn't the one that we recorded. The one we recorded uh, was from early October, and we actually have a handful of these. That we recorded and never released, so there probably will be more of them in the future. 
if we ever can't record or if I mess up the recording again. So it was interesting, though, to hear what we had, what we were thinking about and talking about back in early October. Uh, I noticed that you were still working on your thesis. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that was that was the main thing that I remember. I don't remember anything else. We also talked about very similar things. I think we caught you either on the cusp of giving up meat or just had oh, given yeah, up meat. Oh, yeah. I had no, yeah, or no, giving coming up, back. Coming yeah, back going to back to meat. meat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I talked about meat quite a bit in that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember now. So a few episodes ago, we talked about how I have high cholesterol, right? <laughs> And and how that was a little bit surprising to me. But listening back to the episode last week, it shouldn't have been surprising because I distinctly said in that episode that I had three kielbasas in one day. <laughs> <laughs> so now I can totally see like all the pieces are coming together and, and, and the puzzle that it is creating is my high cholesterol. Yep. Uh, that, that'll do it. <laughs> that will do it. That'll do it. Uh, anyway, so... Where are we starting this week? What's what's on uh, the mind of Eric Middleton? Uh, nothing. I I just I don't I don't know. We never know what we're going to talk no, about. It takes, us a little, talk about. takes us a little while to you know ease into something. But uh, I'm trying to think. Is there something f- fresh? Well, uh, you have an improv show tonight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our imp- improv group we've talked about previously has a show tonight at our house. Address is if you want to cut. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so it should be pretty good. We're doing a, I guess, first show of the spring. How do you? So you guys have done a, a handful of these shows. This is the third or the fourth one or something. Um, is it the first show of the spring? Have we, have we, no, I'm talking about. I guess, no, totally. no, I guess what I'm saying. Have we done another one this? You month? did one in January, I think. Yeah, oh. my house here wasn't it here? I guess in January. I have a, I have a terrible memory. Yeah, it okay. was it was a while ago though, but it was here. I yeah. know that. Um, but I have said in the past that I can tell that you guys are getting better. Uh, do you have that feeling as well being on the inside of it? Do you feel like each show that you've done has been getting better? I think so. I think um, as we've progressed, we have less relied on sort of the sort of default jokes, mm-hmm. you know, like either sexual humor or um, – there's another sort of typical thing that's like a go-to and you, you can't think of anything. And I can't remember what that is. But so I think we're, we're, we're starting to add a little bit more variety in terms of mm-hmm. the direction. Sort of the things that come off the top of our head um, goes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think every with every experience is a – and every, you know, practice because we tend to practice a lot more around showtime, like right. the weeks building up to showtime. I think with each um, practice, I mean, we see improvement. Right. One thing I've always wondered about improv, having no experience with it, um, is that, I mean, obviously it's a thing that you can practice, but by definition, like doing improv is unpredictable and it's not like you have specific things that you have practiced ahead of time. So what, how do you, how, what are like the skill sets of being good at improv? All right. So I'm going to totally butcher all well, this. Well, just in your, in your, in your in my head. Yeah. But yeah, there, you know, obviously there's different books and stuff you can get on improv. But right. Um, I think in terms of like practice, all right, so like the terms of practicing, in terms of practicing and like the actual shows themselves, I think there is a structure set up just to give the thing some context. So mm-hmm. we do more like uh, improv, improvis- oh, improvisational like games, games yeah, and things yeah, like yeah. that. There's other long form type improv, but even then those have structure that provides sort of a nice container to present this right. improv in. Otherwise, it's just people randomly talking. <laughs> right. um, 
So that's that. So kind of going through that and learning the games or learning the structure and things right. like that is important. But then the strategy, just for improv in general, is it's very it's, uh, improv can be used really in terms of uh, it can be used in life. Um, yeah. Susan actually took like the more advanced class at the uh, UCB, yeah. Upright Citizens Brigade out in LA, yeah. and she said it started more and more getting into more of this sort of in depth stuff. But um, the idea of, of when you're with your improv troupe and you guys are doing an activity, um, the idea of really supporting your fellow improver, mm-hmm. su- supporting your teammate, mm-hmm. essentially, um, ideas of yes anding. So not basically the, the idea of yes anding is uh, taking off these sort of filters, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the things that keep you from saying things typically, <laughs> <laughs> taking those off and just saying yes yeah. and. Or if yeah. someone says something to you, yes and, you, you accept. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's sort of this supportive, cooperative environment is things that we I don't want to, I want to say practice, but we we work on that in the sense of direction. Gotcha. Uh, the other thing is uh, listening. Right. Listening, listening, listening skills are very important to hear with what the other person's giving you or not saying or and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. To what extent then? Does your success as somebody who does improv depend on the group that you're with and the comfortable how comfortable you are with them versus like what if you just joined a new improv group of people who are doing improv next week? I'm guessing there's something is lost in the moving to new people, but there's also the personal skill that you can take with you. Yeah, I mean, I think people that are really really good at improv could probably do it join a yeah. join a, a a group of improvers who are really good and be fine. But there is something to say about chemistry and right um, like any team. Yeah, like any team. So, you know, by a person's facial look, you know, again, this mm-hmm. idea of listening. It's almost like active listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're, well, not necessarily active listening, but yeah, you do practice active listening. But the idea of being aware of the other person's like body mannerisms and stuff, you mm-hmm. can almost like know that they're about to say something. Mm-hmm. You know that they're about to deliver something else back. So I think, yeah, with any team, being comfortable improves team processes. Yeah. Um, but also, if you're really skilled, I think you can still hold your own. And oh other, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. yeah, that's that's fascinating. So I'm looking forward to that uh, tonight. I feel like I had another question for you. I totally lost it though. I'm just transfixed by listening to you talk. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's some good improv books out there. Um, yeah, and also there's like good like things you can find just on. I think uh, UCB. I think it's UCB. They have like a uh, little documentary on Netflix called Ass Ass Cat. I think it's UCB, but it's um, it just basically talks about the history of the improv, their improv show and stuff like that. Cool. And uh, yeah, check check out improv. We will. Oh, I remember now. Um, when I was listening to last week's episode, editing it, um, on several occasions I tried to yes and you, and we just dropped the ball. <laughs> and I made fun of you because you're supposed to be the improv guy. So uh, you're obviously better at it now. <laughs> no. I, <laughs> well, I also have to be like in I know. in expecting in the mode. It in, in the mode. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, no. I mean. I don't necessarily have to be expecting it, but just in the mode, like, <laughs> who yeah. knows? I was probably, like, incredibly tired then. And, yeah. You know, screw you, Sam. You know what? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, all right. So, improv tonight. Uh, if this was live, we would tell people to come and join us, but it's not, so. We would tell the world to come and join us, of course. Indeed. So, something else we did last week. We uh, saw a comedy show. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yes, we did. Yeah. I had, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, man. You have no idea how much I enjoyed that show. <laughs> I wish... I was I, laughing 
so hard. My I, stomach was hurting out there. I, I left. I was sitting on the far side, like as far away from you as possible, like within our group of friends. And yeah. I wish I was sitting next to you for it because uh, I wanted to be experiencing your laughter during the show. <laughs> and I even was a little bit like five people away from you. I could occasionally hear you laughing. <laughs> but I just feel like whoever was sitting next to you got a special treat. Oh, my God. Or annoyed. I don't know. <laughs> but it was so, I mean, mo- uh, all but one of the show, you know, one of the performers, I don't even mind this performer, but yeah, there's one weird. that was kind of a little weird. And yeah, he was yeah. doing something a little different, which yeah. is all right. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, the, yeah all the, all the uh, openers I thought were also pretty, pretty funny. Yeah. So yeah. it was, and, but I do, like, there was, so we saw Hannibal Burris. Yeah, I was about to say, we, like, about to say <laughs> we haven't even said the name yeah. of the person. Yeah. So we saw Hannibal Burris, and uh, these other comedians who open for them are also professional comedians as yeah. far as I can tell not as big as him yeah, in, yeah. in terms of, of popularity but even between th- them and his level I felt like there was like a certain level of I don't know expertness or pro- not professionalism really and professionalism in a comedian context that he like he was at another level compared to the rest of them and I'm not really sure how to put my finger on it but there was and maybe it's just the fact that I had heard of him before, so I was automatically comfortable when he came on stage because I yeah. knew he was going to be funny. Because there is, at least for me, whenever I see a comedian that I've never seen before, there's this moment of like, is this going to be good or is this going to just be a train wreck? Yeah. Um, so maybe I just didn't have that when he came on stage. But I don't know. He, just, he, he knows his stuff really well and he's really funny. Yeah. And he almost... I don't know if this is a new thing or it's something he's always been doing, but he almost... Um, he also, you know, plays around with that sort of the idea of the show, like um, the context of the show. Yeah. So he'll he'll almost I don't I don't say this term meta whatever, but he has like meta this meta awareness of the idea that he's doing a show. Yeah. So for instance, he'll be like, oh, uh, he turns to the back of the stage and says, "Why is the stage so deep?" I was now, I was I was gonna I was just I was just writing down. Look how because I was gonna say, "Look how far away I am." Yeah. Was the funniest thing in that show. It, it was just I don't I doubt he does that at every show. Well, that, that's gonna say he he might do that at every show. That's you true. know what I'm saying? That's true. And so that that naturalness of these people, you know, do these jokes so many times, but every time you hear it, it just seems fresh. Yeah. And even some jokes, I've, I I was actually surprised to hear some jokes that I know I've seen online and mm-hmm. stuff before. And it was just still very fresh because you could, you could hear he kind of like bumped, you know, he, he added a little zest to it a little bit. Yeah. He um, changed it up a bit. And the other sort of meta stuff is uh, when he was talking about the rappers doing ad libs, he goes, what yeah. if comedians did it? And he had that stuff set up. Yeah. thought that was funny. And um, he has a joke where he's like, he does the, like, the other little thing. This is last because I'm not going to ruin this dude's jokes. But he has a joke. It's not even a joke. But it's this sort of awareness. The, the punchline was like in threes. And he goes... He goes, and you have to make it three for comedic. He yeah, was like, yeah. he referenced that. Yeah, he referenced the idea of like saying things in three is yeah. funny. Yeah. You know, things like that. I think is just it makes him absolutely hilarious. And he's kind of his cadence is just kind of funny. Yeah, you know, you know, he's developed that. Um, yeah, I, I obviously, and you know what? Why I thought it was funny, I do my age. I mean, yeah. I understood the jokes, the references. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Um, so yeah, it was hilarious to me. Yeah, and I, I know I told you after the show that I had moments while I was watching him up on stage. I was like, "That dude is Eric. That could be Eric up there." <laughs> yeah, I wish I, I wish I was that funny. I would be doing that stuff. But the, the truth be told, he's been doing it for ten years, time, more yeah. or ten years or more. Or so yeah. I think he started probably early twenties or maybe even nineteen. But he started at a young age, you yeah, know, college exactly. years or whatever. So 
I think he's 32. So, man, Hannibal Burris, check him out. Yeah, a lot of lot of good stuff online too. Because I, I came home and I wanted because Emily didn't come and yeah. I wanted to show her. So I we watched some stuff online and a lot of good stuff on yeah. there. Um, I also when I came home I was on a bit of a comedy kick, so I uh, downloaded the latest Louis C.K. one Did through, you? through his website. Yeah, and watched about three quarters of that, and it's also really good. It's good, yeah. yeah. Really good. I'm glad you, because I actually was thinking about this in terms of well, what I'm going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about, so we talked, we've talked about Louis C.K. stand up mm-hmm. and the idea that he does a show, he does a special every year and mm-hmm. things like that. And I think other people are also trying to do that. And I was thinking, perhaps it's not good. I think I've actually said mm-hmm. that because does it, does the quality of your special degrade? Mm-hmm. Does it become less important every year? So Aziz Ansari, some people like him, some people don't, um, came, has a special on Netflix now that came up and I don't know. It just felt for me flat. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be totally like, I'm not a comic cr- critic or whatever, right. but even like he, you know, at the beginning he had the sort of segment where you, you know, you set it up, you're walking to the stage, black and white, you know, it's like a big thing, but the special felt less special, mm. at least in his case. Because um, why? Because he had done one a, like a year ago. I think I don't even know. I think his last one was recently, probably yeah. a year ago, maybe. So, so is it the fact of like it's it's how often he's been doing it, or the fact that it was new stuff? No, you know what? It was a combination. Because actually, I've heard what was the stuff as honed as it should be right. for the time you do a special, right? Um, so I heard him do one of the jokes just on like a, a night show, late night show. Mm-hmm. He was talking about like text messaging and stuff. Oh yeah, I've no. And for me, about. it felt. Like it wasn't punched up at all. Yeah. Again, I'm not, a, I'm not a comedy expert, but this is my yeah. opinion. It, it felt like it wasn't punched up at all. It felt the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, oh, did you really get it to, the yeah. to the level where it needs to be on the special? You know, I guess yeah. My, I like what Louis C.K. does, and, I, and what I like about it is not the fact that he puts the special out every year. It's that it's fresh material every time. And if it took him at two years or three years, yeah, I would like that yeah. too. I think it's probably not all comedians can do a fresh special every year yeah. but striving to have new material yeah. when you do something like that i think is is admirable yeah i mean I, I think it also is incredible and also if they are doing it every year and they are no longer charging whatever ridiculous amounts you know hbo you don't need that you can buy yeah. for five bucks yeah granted that can be that's better too you know right so no yeah he's doing cool things so yeah with with um, producing his own stuff and making it easy to get, like just went on his website, pay five bucks, you can download the file, do whatever you want. Did his it. his show feel the same type of like his old shows, or did he? Because he sometimes also does stuff a little. He starts stuff weird sometimes. Yeah, well, so. in this one, he talked a little bit specifically about wanting it to be kind of a throwback to more like when he was starting and doing small clubs mm. and. I was reading about it and said something like, you know, and where I would just make sounds because I thought they were funny. So it was like, it was like less polished maybe, but yeah, I yeah. thought it was still really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think maybe, maybe he approached it with like less pressure on himself yeah. and just kind of did what he wanted so, to do. And it was, I thought it was really good. Yeah. So something like that seems interesting. If you don't want it to be like an open mic type of thing, some, yeah. but some people are just naturally funny. I think he is. Yeah. So a little unpolished can be funny, but if it's, if it's a joke I heard a long time ago, yeah. and it's still not polished, it's like, hold <laughs> yeah. a second, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Um, yeah. I mean, we're obviously somewhat fans of unpolished stuff because we don't put a lot of editing effort into this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I do, I do like unpolished stuff. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's more than that. So it's hard for me to articulate exactly. Yeah, what I'm looking. What I'm looking well, at. and also, I, I wouldn't want every comedian oh. to be a a clone of Louis C.K. Exactly. Either, so I, I also just watched uh, Ralphie May. 
He has a special on, on Netflix. Obviously, you guys know my obsession. <laughs> and that and that's what actually, after I listened to the Aziz, and sorry, um, I watched Ralphie May a couple days ago. And that's what actually led me to think, okay, maybe people are just throwing out these specials, putting it on Netflix without really crafting it. But mm-hmm. Ralphie Mays just felt flat, really flat. Mm-hmm. Like uh, he had jokes that weren't, like I've heard these jokes before other people. I mean, like not that you can't have the similar premise, mm-hmm. but the joke just seemed like pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus like Bill Burr, go check out his special. His jokes at least felt fresh. Or even if he like hit on something where you've heard before, his angle was different, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. Um so it's like it's almost like the lazy lazy comedy. It's like any job. Someone's yeah. just like, oh, I just need to put on a special, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's. Hmm. I need. I need. To, I want to start watching more comedy. The one thing, I don't. I'm not gonna be able to articulate this well, but the basic idea of all right. So you get into comedy and you have your idols basically, yeah. and you're doing it, whatever that initial motivation was, because other people were doing things that you really liked. Yeah. And then, so I think kind of naturally, you are drawn to their style yeah. or however they do things. But then at some point you have to create your own style. And that seems like it's really tough. And I've, I've noticed that even in my own academic writing and yeah. stuff, oh, yeah. like, you know, I, everybody has the, the main professors or the main uh, researchers in their area and you read them so much and you obviously admire their ideas because that's the backbone of whatever it is that you're writing that I've noticed myself like emulating them in ways. Yeah. Like, you know, but then, and then, but the weird part is you start to hate them. Because they have said the things that you That's really right. like, and you need to break away from them in order to be your own person. I think I'm cribbing this from uh, actually uh, Harold Bloom, like Age of Anxiety or something. Mm. Something he's a um, literary critic mm. wrote about this idea, but I thought it was really, really kind of interesting that you can both love your idols so much, but then you grow to hate them because you are too similar to them. Yeah, I've heard. Like I said, I've listened to endless amounts of podcasts by. Uh, <clears throat> And where uh, uh, comedians were on, and many of them actually talk about just that. You know, yeah. uh, they talk about at some moment they reali- start realizing, "Hold up, I'm just doing so and so." Yeah, and they're like, "Oh my gosh!" And then some just say they just don't listen to comedy. Yeah, anymore. they love comedy. Yeah, they love it. They just can't listen to it. You I, know? I'm as I, so when I was just describing that, I was just kind of thinking of it theoretically, but now applying it to my actual work, uh, that guy Merlin Mann who I've been a huge fan of for a long time, back yeah. when he was writing 43 Folders, and he writes about the same similar productivity stuff that I do. And I, I alternate between just loving what he does and not wanting to follow him because I feel like I, I want... I don't want my I don't want somebody to see my work and be like you're just you're just a lesser version of Merlin Man. Yeah. Like that's not what I'm trying to do. I admire what he's what he does and I'm trying to put my own spin on it. So yeah, that's that's tough. And there's there's definitely some other writers in kind of the space of of where I write on my website where I don't follow their stuff cuz I don't I don't want to be influenced any more than I already am yeah. by by that stuff. It's tough yeah. though cuz I enjoy reading it though cuz yeah. I, I obviously like that that type of stuff. You know, <clears throat> what people sort of pull from Again, try, trying to apply the comedy world back to this is uh, if you can begin even no, sort of knowing their stuff and reading their stuff, if what you put out sort of comes from your experiences, yeah, it, it may be different for this case. Because like, I was thinking more so uh, the inability for other people to maybe start emulating you, I guess, mm-hmm. or whatever. You're, once you find a voice. If you're really if if what you're putting out really sort of reflects your own experience experiences and stuff like that, it's 
it can only be you. Right. Like only you can put out Sam Sam Sperlin right. stuff. You know right. what I mean? Right. And and what that is, I don't know how you can tap into it. I might maybe like sort of building self awareness or you know why you why not only thinking about why you have these why you have these ideas, but like how you have come to these ideas. Yeah, that's good. Might be like an important point, more important piece. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's it's. Uh, I mean, any creative person who who creates stuff for a living, whether it's comedy or academic writing, which I everything. throw into that, uh, has to struggle with this at, at some capacity. It's that whole, I mean, I, I read a lot about improving as a writer and people always say, find your voice. You just got, you just got to find your voice, yeah, yeah. which, and then that's where the advice ends. Because yeah. nobody can tell you how to do that yeah. other than just, you do it a lot. And you develop that expertise and I guess you stumble into it. I don't know. I've had people tell me that when they read something I write, it sounds like me talking, mm. which I think is a good thing. Uh, maybe not so much for academic stuff, but at least for my website, yeah. I feel like that's a step in the right direction, but I would never be able to tell somebody how to do that other than just do it a lot. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Pretty helpful stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need to do that a lot. Yes, yeah. the thing that you like to do that you're not very good at, just do it a lot, and then you'll be good at it. That's that's it, right? That's what it is, though. That's deliberate practice. Deliberate practice. Like I keep on. I've been frustrated at jujitsu because I'm like, I don't feel. You know, people keep on saying, oh, "Eric, you know, your technique is coming mm-hmm. coming along well." Blah blah blah. We see it. We see it. And in my mind, I'm like, I can't. I don't think so. Like mm-hmm. I don't feel it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but anyway, they're like, yeah. Well, you know. And I'm like, you know, I still feel like I can't do this. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into details, but right. um, can't do this, can't do that. And they're like, yeah, just get more mat time. Yeah. Mat time. There's like mat time, mat time, mat time. That's the practice time on the mat. Yeah. Is what is going to take you forward. And it's any, it's any, anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, there's, even at that level though, there's a paradox. I was reading a book. I think actually David Allen writes about this in mm-hmm. his book about productivity stuff, but he uh, is a black belt in karate, I think. Mm-hmm. And he had talked about how feeling like sometimes he hits a plateau and even if he's practicing, 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 feel like he's not busting through this plateau, yeah. steps away from it for a month, yeah. comes back a month later and suddenly yeah. is able to bust through the plateau. So it's, it's never as straightforward as just practice more. Sometimes you do have to like step back. And, yeah. I wonder, you know, I don't, but I don't know how, you I wonder know what when, that when is. That. Yeah. I wonder what that is. I mean, there has to be some, I mean, if you believe in the unconscious, like work being done in an unconscious or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I'm saying that because I have no other better way to say it. But there has to be something going on. On a physical level, it's probably like straight rejuvenation. I mean, I bet you if you take a month off and then just eat like crap for a month and don't move at all, then yeah, you probably don't come back at the end of that month and suddenly be able to do these physical things better. But if you just actually relax for a month and let your body build back up, that's probably part of it. Part but of there's, it. there's also got to be a mental component Mental things, well. yeah. yeah. To, to where you're... To where you're finding yourself just doing something, you're like, what? Oh, what happened? I mean, do you, after you sort of deliberately practice that sort of um, uh, muscle memory type of stuff, the stepping away, let the sort of these memories like form or something. I mean, people say science scientists, scientists say, say yeah. you know, sleeping is a huge part of building memory. Yeah, and if you don't get enough sleep, you're not going to learn very well. I mean, I think yeah. the other part of it might be if you're deliberately practicing a lot every day and feeling very frustrated, you're very kind of down in the weeds and you're seeing these um, techniques or something that you're not able to do and that is going to you know mess with your self-esteem and self-efficacy. If you come back to it after a month, you've probably kind of forgotten like what those very tiny little specific things are that you couldn't do yeah. and you can approach it maybe more holistically and 
not get bogged down by what you couldn't do before. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. So that. So after all of this, this means I'm not, I'm not going to touch my thesis for a month, <laughs> and then I'm going to come back and be awesome. Would I stop looking? <laughs> when I haven't looked at my thesis for a while, I would, you know, not even a month, like yeah. three weeks or something. I feel like I have to reintegrate myself to yeah. it, and yeah. it's so annoying. Yeah. Like it's so annoying. Like. Yeah. That's that's why people say like just keep it going, even if you're just doing a little bit each time. Because if it stops completely, it's hard to get it rolling again. Yeah. Yeah, Ridiculous. that's that's what I'm dealing with a little bit right now. Yeah, we don't have to get into it. Yeah, <laughs> see, that's the sigh. That's the sigh. Uh, that's, I, that's, I, right, so there's a couple of things so that I've observed in grad school, right. and I've asked other people about this. But like the uh, first semester of first year, I twitched. Did you get one? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Probably. I don't know. Um, it, it's too far. It's too long in my past to remember. Yeah, and then also like. Now I'm just making this up one now. Uh, the sort of the sigh that you give when people ask about your thesis. Yes, and I think it's very. <laughs> and I completely agree. There's two. There's when you are a relatively new PhD student and you've just kind of come up with your thesis idea and you feel like you have wrapped your arms around what your idea is. You're excited about it. Yeah. Oh Cause, yeah. Because it's hard. It's hard to get to that point. Yeah. You work through all these dead ends and you finally have an idea that you think you can move forward on. So you can tell if somebody's just come up with their thesis idea because they're kind of upbeat about it. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the point where you've gotten your proposal signed off and you're actually trying to start collecting data or analyzing data. And then you get the sigh. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, yeah. yeah. That's the language right there. Whatever. <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah. But we have the nice little, dead, not deadline, but spring break is at the end of next week. Yes. And I'm traveling a little bit. So I'm, I'm giving myself the deadline of getting my IRB submitted before I leave for this trip yeah. in two weeks. Because then it really is out of my hands for a little bit until I get that approval back. So, oh, don't, oh man, you yawn. No, I'm going to yawn. <laughs> uh, yawn. Uh, so yeah, still working on that. Yeah, yeah. Working, well, kind of working. Not really working, but knowing that I should be working on it. Yeah. Which is uh, an unpleasant feeling. But Hey man. Gotta do what you gotta do. Keep, keep... I'll get it done eventually. We have I mean, we do have like an incredible amount of time to actually finish the thesis, yeah. which is not helpful, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because like, I'm, it's not like I'm I'm like butting up against any sort of deadline, but I just want to move on with my life. I agree. I'm, but, I feel the same way. I guess we don't need to make this podcast into a bitch fest. About <laughs> our, our, our thesis. Yeah, let's uh, interrupt this with a. Uh, Useless oh, Yahoo News. Put me on the spot. We have to Useless oh. Yahoo News segment. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I, we haven't done this in a while. Have we not? I feel like we haven't. Oh my goodness, that's really sad. Uh, I'm just flipping through, using my iPad, flipping through. Are you not participating in this session? Is this just me? Well, I was just going to freestyle. Uh, how are you going to freestyle a thing... Where the conversation, we're the conversation point piece. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> my, my my laptop is is very loud. It's one well, of these HPs <laughs> that your laptop about half an hour ago when you pulled it out of your bag and opened it, a piece of it fell off. Yeah, the bezel because I've dropped thought, this thing so many times. It was a stylus, and it was a bezel, <laughs> and you popped it back on, which is awesome. Um, all right, let's people let's, talking about the, that that dress again that made you so happy. No, let's, let's, let's oh, people don't even know because that was in the episode that didn't work. We talked about that dress that was either white and gold it's or blue the, and black. It's, it's what we, it's what we will never speak of. <laughs> I'm gonna bring it up every mm. single time. 
I told, yeah. I, my point is, I don't care about the dress. <laughs> I won't, neither do I, but. Uh, well, here we go. Ronda Rousey. Oh, she's you know, the, the you know MMA, Ronda Rousey? Yeah, the yeah. MMA fighter. She is the. She dominated somebody in like 12 seconds. Yes. Super dominated. Dominated. Got an arm bar locked yeah. in. Boom. Yeah. Um, but I guess she busted interviewer's ribs when he jokes. After he jokes that she can't compete with a man. Where she like literally hit him? Um, no, I think, let's see. Or like figuratively. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is video. Oh, okay. um, so, <laughs> so, yes, we have a couple of seconds of me laughing. And that laughing was just to stretch out me to have enough time to skip this ad. <laughs> uh, that was nice. And who has a white belt on? I've got to be honest. I don't think you have as much strength and can compete with a man. Even though I'm a white belt. You know how to push my buttons. That was exactly how to get me to throw you. <laughs> so he's trying to get her to throw him. She throws... Oh, God. She did throw him She hard. throws him, but it's not like a throw. Like, a, oh, I'm like going to throw you and let you fall. It's a... She drives her body into his side. Sorry, that was loud. She drives her body into his side as he lands. And his face... I like that she's laughing at him. <laughs> that that was a good. Now I actually know how to do that. We've been actually practicing some judo in uh-huh. class, and um, yeah, that's. So now that's you awesome. know. Now you know how to throw someone and crush well, the ribs. I'm not going to do that to people. But yeah, that's. Nah, that that didn't look good. All right, here's a, here's one. How uh, perfect you hear about Harrison Ford crash landing his uh, airplane? I did. How like Indiana Jones is that? It's also like a World War II era airplane that he crash landed and didn't die. Did some like Germans like come chasing him or something? <laughs> no, well, it's a little bit. I mean, he crashed into a Venice golf course, yeah. which is not quite as intense as a real uh, Indiana Jones situation. Oh man! But he's all right? Harrison Ford crashing an airplane. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's all right. He's in the hospital, but I think he's all right. Man, pretty uh, pretty nuts. All right, there's got to be one or two more, right? There's a lot of serious stuff in Yahoo right now. I feel like I Yahoo. Maybe, they, maybe they've heard us. They've heard <laughs> us making fun of them. Yeah, and they're right. like, oh, oh, we don't want Sam and Eric to make fun of us again this week. Let's put something more serious we, in. Yeah, we. That, I'm sure that's exactly it. Mar, is it Mar, Marissa Meyer? Isn't she the CEO of Yahoo? Marissa, Marissa Meyer. Yes. Yeah, You're going to play her laugh again? No, I'm not. That's, her r- laugh that's is, rude. Her laugh is hilarious. Though. Anybody's laugh is hilarious if you loop it many times. Rude. That's rude. I'm not going to play it. I'm just saying she listens, obviously. <laughs> oh, man. Is there anything else that's useless? Mm. First image of Supergirl released? Uh, mm. Yeah. Uh. Hikers conquer iconic trail. Really? How is that news? You're, le- you're letting me down. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were oh. talking to me. Oh, oh. Odd things that pass your lips. And then there's a picture of coffee. What? That is such a link baity headline that I'm now clicking on because I'm curious. Uh, thigh mall in mouthwash. I don't know what thigh mall is. Red oh, algae oh, in packaged fruit the, pies. When you said thigh mall, I, the word that went through my head was <laughs> thigh mall. That's a good like it's, sky mall. <laughs> interesting. Red algae in packaged fruit pies. Mm. Oh man, look at this. Read more. The ten sugariest. Meals in America. All right. We're both doing food-related ones. Oh, this looks so good. Oh, my gracious. Castorium in cigarettes. What's castorium? 
commonly found in the secretions of a beaver's castor glands located near the animal's genitals. Added to cigarettes to give them a sweet odor and smoky flavor. Oh my god. All you smokers out there, enjoy your beaver penis. That's disgusting. Maybe maybe it's disgusting. Maybe it's not disgusting. Mm, it's pretty pretty gross. But why though? We Put, we weird putrescine in coffee. Ever wonder what makes spoiled meat so poisonous? Here you go. Ptomains, organic compounds like putrescine, are produced, blah, 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 naturally present in coffee beans. That's not that interesting. Anyway, Yahoo sucks. <laughs> and that has been another <laughs> useless Yahoo news. Yeah, that segment was useless. Yeah, that segment was terrible. We apologize for all that. Dude, we're not going to we edit it out. No, we're not. In but... fact, we're going we're gonna to find that clip, we're going to copy it, and just loop it yeah. for the rest of this podcast, just yep. for your enjoyment, audience. Yep. Here we go. No, useless Yahoo News time. <laughs> um, I know you like repetition as comedy, so if you were in charge of editing this, I, I could see that happening. It, if I had time to do that, <laughs> yeah. If I had time to do it, oh my gosh. Uh, that's why you liked Hannibal Burris and his Porcupine song. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Because I've, I've, I've seen that bit before, uh-huh. and it still was funny, but he has a, a bit that he does called a gibberish rap. Oh, oh, no, oh, you're talking. Oh, you're, you're talking, talking about the coming, por- coming up with the lyrics for the Porcupine song. <laughs> you thought it was hilarious yeah. too. I, I thought that was great. Oh. I just loved, and I know that this is not the first time he's done this joke. Yeah, yeah. but he seemed to be getting more enjoyment out of it than anybody in the probably, audience. Probably was just laughing so hard. He probably was, man. Uh, it's so stupid. Yeah, maybe I can find a clip and put it in the show notes. Uh, it's but so stupid. Nothing like talking about a comedy show that. Nobody else has seen, but we have. Go look at Hannibal Burst's website. He probably has one. He's probably on. He's on tour. Yeah. Buy tickets to his show. There you go. That's how you do it. That's how you do Boom. it. Boom. Or go to our show notes, and there probably won't be a link there because I've been really bad at show notes recently. But they're found at the file audio backslash episodes backslash eighteen. Eighteen. One eight. Man. A lot of 18 weeks of this. It is. And then, yeah. Even more than that, because we have all those unreleased ones. That's crazy. We're basically experts. We almost did our 10,000 hours. Podcast experts. Almost. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Almost. So, you were reading a book before I came in. mm -hmm. Uh, Pass it to me. It's over here. I just like the title. Obviously, I don't know what the content is. So, it looks like it's a new book, but. Mm, It's 2001. It it looks like it's a. You're newly reading the book. Ah, yes. Yeah. Uh, Dignity at Work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know this might be an unreleased podcast that we talked about, just that concept of dignity and working yeah, and things I don't like remember, that. Actually, yeah. So I, I have I've written about this idea of dignity at work, and I didn't really have a good definition for it. But this is a book by a sociologist at Ohio State, uh-huh. uh, and this is what he studies. Yeah. Uh, and I think it'll be a part of future writing projects for me. So I found it at the library, and now I'm reading it. And it's Pretty good so far. Good. Um, it makes me think about... So I'm watching House of Cards, so I'm not going to get into that. Season three? But I'll talk about it in just terms of general politics. It's uh, the idea of politicians creating jobs programs. And you know, a lot of times people complain is that you know, the jobs that are being created aren't good jobs. You know, but yet mm-hmm. there's still jobs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, to what extent would it be? Let's say, let's say you agree with jobless programs, okay? Because again, I'm not, I'm not trying to get political here. Um, to what extent is it the role of the program to also ensure, or not ensure, 
create to, like yeah, good jobs or good jobs or jobs with dignity. Maybe maybe no, the aspect no. isn't necessarily good jobs, but sort of jobs that uh, allow a person to have dignity. Right. Or does the job just itself allow a person to have dignity? Right. Um, just having a job does that sort of offer that uh, dignity? Yeah. What I'm op- looking at here in the book, so the guy actually has a pretty succinct definition of dignity at work. Yeah. Um, and basically, I think it's I think it's these chapter titles. So deflecting abuse and mismanagement. So those are things that take away dignity at work. Yeah. Uh, avoiding overwork, which I think it can also be kind of connected to that first idea. Yeah. Defending autonomy, negotiating employee involvement, and then he has a chapter on coworkers, and I think deriving dignity out of the people that you work with and how you interact with them. So a lot of this. A lot of creating dignity at work, from what I'm understanding, it's outside the realm of the structure of the job. Yes, the structure of the work and the management of the work can do things to inhibit dignity, but they all they having dignity at work is not only possible if it's like kind of granted by the structure or the management. Um, so I, I feel like in that case, creating, I mean, nobody wants an organization that's mismanaged. You know, having bad managers is not going to be good for the employees or probably for the economic outcomes of the organization. So to the extent as possible of having the managers be good and effective and, um, you know, removing bad managers, I think that is part of, you know, any sort of jobs thing. Yeah. And I don't I know, know. I know they probably don't take any of that sort of bigger picture stuff into account. I and mean, I'm sure they're just like, here, here goes some money, hire some people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know? I'm sure. Well, I mean, the <laughs> I don't know to what extent this is actually true, but we all like to think that our economy is a meritocracy and that the people in uh, positions of power have earned their way to that position. Yeah, yeah not necessarily the case, but yeah. we, you kind of have to believe that for capitalism to, I think, work, but not always uh, the case. Yeah, I would say many times not the case. <laughs> many times not the case. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, but but in saying that, I don't think that's a very doomsday type of thing either. I mean, no, I think it's, I think reality. it's, the, it's a reality of the world. I mean, anything you yeah. have to look at the context that surrounds it all, and it's just not the hard work of this one individual is going to get into a certain position. A lot of things might be going on, you know. Yeah, you do want to set up an environment though where the ones, the people that are sort of at the level and sort of earn it, can get some good you know, outcome, you know what I'm saying? But Yeah, well, the thing that I struggle with when writing about or talking about things like meaning at work and dignity at work is that I'm a huge believer in kind of the, at the individual level, like the individual employee, what can you do to derive dignity and meaning from your work? Because I think that's kind of the only thing that you control as an individual is how you think about things. But when I talk about it that way, what I really don't want to do is diminish the role of the larger context, yeah. the organization itself. I'm afraid when I, when I don't talk about this thing, these things with nuance, what it comes across is it's up to you. And if you, don't, if you aren't finding meaning and you're not finding dignity, you're doing something you're wrong. You're doing something wrong. Which is not what I'm trying to say. But at the same time, I also don't think focusing at a larger, on, a, on a larger perspective it's not- is, is particularly beneficial for the individual. Yeah. As I mean, well. it's more empowering if you do instill a sense of responsibility and control right. in the individual. Exactly. And I, I believe so that, but by believing that, I am not forgiving 
the larger organizational yeah. context or what managers are potentially yeah. doing or things yeah. like like that. Yeah. So like I'm sure like Randy Randian yeah and Randian would be it's just the individual. It's just the individual. Yeah. Exactly. So what? So, uh, so what? You your organization this is my Russian or <laughs> so what? Your organization does not pay. a whatever the wage that's your fault stupid yeah. i don't know yeah that's um that was a great that was a great accent it was terrible you guys, you guys, you guys playing an accent game tonight at your improv probably not well, was, uh, <laughs> i'm gonna request one did i already say this to you uh <laughs> uh i may have said this to you but um i can't do accents at least in my head i think i'm doing an accent <laughs> but if i ever hear myself back i sound exactly the same i sound Get some sort of like exactly uh, the same accent disorder yeah <laughs> that does exist really um oh, what is it called i've on your mom's house podcast, they they make fun of it. It's it's a very offensive show. I've always had that caveat, but uh, there's a disorder where sudden sudden accent syndrome or something, uh-huh. where people like get hit in the head, and all of a sudden they, they start talking about this like <laughs> accent, but it sounds racist always because it just sounds like they're <laughs> doing like a sort of stereotypical yeah. accent. But yeah, I get hit in the head, and now you're you sound racist. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunate. Uh, Talk about probably not eliciting a whole lot of sympathy. Like you legitimately have an injury, but you just sound racist. Yeah, you sound like you're just making a fake accent. <sighs> that is uncomfortable. But hilarious. For all of us. Yes. Um, so yeah, dignity at work. It's, it's, it seems like an important thing. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Dignity in life. Dignity in life. How, look, we... So... Saying that, you know, the individual is important. I'm just kind of staring. I'm thinking oh, that, that, that you're looking at. Where am I looking at? Oh, no. Um, I just had a thought and I was trying to find a book, but I realized it was in my yeah. iPad. You know, saying that, you know, so I, I totally agree. With, I totally agree with you. But also I'll say things on the contrary that makes it sound like I'm just like, oh, everybody needs to do. Everybody has to sort of manage each other, which I don't, I guess, I don't mean that either. But um, I, I think it's our responsibility to also act in ways that treats other people with dignity. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. assume the dignity of others. Yeah. Is that, uh, I don't know. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. Um, like act from a, act from a starting point of respecting the dignity of others. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, so it's, it's a two way street uh, yeah. there. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I'll have to find the specific episode, but what got me started on all of this was an episode of Roderick on the Line. Yeah. And Merlin and John yeah. talking about dignity. Yeah. And I think, I don't, I wouldn't want to go into details. I don't remember the specifics, but essentially John was on the subway in New York or something and just saw a guy that struck him as being like very dignified, not like well-dressed or anything, but just the way he carried himself. And that got me thinking about what that means uh, at, at work or like how you even go about cultivating uh, that. I'll find the specific episode and, and put it in the show notes, but it was really good. And that's what spurred me to write the article and, and get thinking on this. And I, I'm actually, I'm excited that somebody has done scholarly work on this too. Cause I think it's an, an interesting idea and I, I'm excited to read somebody who has thought it through very systematically and actually has like a framework yeah. rather than just kind of this nebulous I mean, idea that I had. Would dignity still, you know, fall within, uh, I'm about to get back to it, mm-hmm. <laughs> our topic of choice, mm-hmm. would dignity fall within that? Could it fall within one of those categories of like the self constructs, so self dignity or yeah. whatever? Cause I, you said, how do you cultivate that? I'm like, well, yeah. a person's belief in themselves, um, 
sort of having a locus of control. Yeah. Uh, eternal uh, locus control. He talks you know, about things. control. Having a sense of control is a large part of it because I think there are kind of different strategies that you can employ in terms of kind of taking dignity or, or finding your dignity in your work. And But the starting point of all of them is believing you have control yeah. over the situation or at least control so over part of the situation. Yeah. Self-regulatory uh, theory. Yeah. So, so this is a sociological book. Um, and I, I want to do some more digging to see if there's any psychological work on it. I mean, he is citing some org um, researchers, but even more on maybe there's like on the personality level of things or something like that. Is he um, is he presenting his own research in the book too, or is he more of the synthesis of what's out there? Uh, that's and a the, good question. I don't I gonna actually ask, know. I was going to ask like, well, how does he then go about studying dignity? I mean, is it yeah. interviewing? These, is these it, are qualitative like ethnographies, basically. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So observations and interviews, yeah. essentially, with people. And, yeah. and is it just within the context of, like, U.S. workers, or is it I dignity across a couple of different countries? Or? Uh, here we go. Workplace ethnography data set, page 303. I think mm -hmm. it's all American. But from the little bit that I've read already, he focuses both on blue-collar work, but mm -hmm. also he was talking about doctors yeah. uh, in it as well. Uh, so I think it's both. Oh, these are just a lot of different books, not an okay. actual description of the data set. Okay. Um, but from what I can tell, it's been mostly uh, American. But maybe, I don't know, is, is, and this is probably a whole different can of worms, but is it universal based on, I mean, is, is it culturally universal, this idea of dignity and how you go about finding it in your work? I don't, I don't maybe, know. Maybe it has different terms. Or yeah, or different maybe people don't care. More important. Maybe the work is just the work. I mean, yeah, exactly. And it's not the dignity, it's not the dignity derived from, from the work. Maybe it's just, maybe, maybe people don't even think about that, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Because um, you... The idea of dignity at work can only exist if there is work. But say your work is just producing, oh, like for, producing for your family. You just, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. That's – well, and, and part of it is there was – if we're talking like Paleolithic man or whatever, or like even just subsistence farming, your work was the, – the production that you create through your work, whether farming or craft work or whatever, was very concrete, very tangible, and had direct – relationship to your family's success and your success whereas industrialization you've got these kind of kind of you know very rote very menial jobs and you don't ever you don't have the task identity you don't see yeah, the final result you can see the one little thing that slides by on the assembly line that you do a thousand times a day and that's and that's it um so the whole job characteristic stuff of hackman and oldman oldham are probably related to this mm -hmm. too but yeah, maybe uh, after I finish reading it, we can talk more intelligently about it. But I'll wait till you finish reading it. Right, that's what I meant, not we. I said we. I said we. I thought you said I. Oh, all right. I was just saying. I'm probably not well, right here, right here, we'll roll it back <laughs> and hear what I said. <laughs> um, because that's mostly what I've been doing the past few days, just reading. Because I've good. just been well. Because I know you say that it's good, and I've, other people have said it's good, but I feel like I'm shirking my work and, by yeah. just reading things because. Moving my thesis forward is not reading things at this point. It's making my GD surveys and finishing these videos that I need to do. But like I said, I, it's better than doing absolutely nothing. I often feel guilty when I'm sort of reading oh, yeah. things yeah. that are related. I mean, all this stuff is related, right. I, I think, that is uh, related, even if it's tangentially related yeah. to what I actually should be doing in terms of task things. However, sort of getting you in that mindset, you know, getting you thinking differently about stuff, sort of working the brain yeah, is always a good thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you if you were out here reading just Harry Potter books back to back, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, I'd be yeah. like, what are we doing with our lives? Yeah. 
But I mean, stimulating reading, yeah. related in terms of just general concept of what you're interested in. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna change the way that you see other the stuff. work that you do. Yeah. You know, and it may have an effect, it may not. But it's not. What do you say? Shirking. Sir- right. Yeah, shirking. Shirking my work. Well, and at, and at the very Samuel, very, stop shirking. <laughs> at the very, very least, it gave us something to talk about for ten minutes on the podcast. <laughs> so I've invested my time well the past three days. If, we, if I just only get that, let's pick something else off the bookshelf. <laughs> nah. I did get a whole bunch of books from the library up here. Did you? This one. Did you go to the CDU library? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're all kind of about uh, work and stuff, but this one has a hilarious title: "Middle-aged sons and the meaning of work." That's funny. Like, that's a very specific. Yeah. You, you know what I miss about libraries? And so in this age of technology, a lot of the stuff that we read is online. Mm-hmm. But when I'm in the library, when I find myself in the library, I feel good. Because yeah. especially when you get to that section, you're looking for that one book. Yes. And you find that one book the and then you're like. around it. You remember that uh, Sunny Delight commercial back in the day? I don't know. Wait, uh, it's okay. I, yeah, I'm a little older, but the kids come in from playing a game of basketball. I think Dave Chappelle had a joke about this. Okay. And they open up a door and he goes, Oh, look, we got some purple stuff, some orange drink, we got some Sunny D. And they're like, Oh, Sunny D. You know? Uh-huh. So it's like your fridge is lined up with a lot of different drinks and you're looking at all your options. But so you go in there and you're looking for that purple stuff. But then you realize there's Sunny D. Just right got here. some Sunny D right here. I like that a lot, except for the fact that Sunny D is a terrible drink. <laughs> it is a terrible drink. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it tastes good, but no, well, it doesn't even really taste it good. Not, it's not orange juice at no, all. It kind no, of burns the tongue if you drink yeah. too much. It yeah. has like a dryness to its wetness. I don't know if that makes any sense, <laughs> but it's like you're drinking dry. I think I feel like maybe part of the reason why I never really liked Sunny D is because I always really just wanted orange juice. Yeah, and it just remind it would remind me. Yeah. If, if orange juice was not a thing, some I'd probably the, love Sunny D. Some of us come from the, the wealthy class, I see. <laughs> Who can drink orange juice I, I, all the time? I'm trying yeah. to make a... Uh, I, I don't know enough about... Um, what's a hung, You watch the Hunger Games and all that stuff? Oh, yeah. What's one of the higher classes? Uh, don't they have classes or groups or... Districts? Places? Districts. The, the capital, right? Yeah, yeah. The capital. It, dang, some so of us are from the capital. The slow... This is the slow joke. This is what you call a slow play <laughs> joke. Someone must be from the capital the, city. It's the slowest play joke because you had to ask somebody else for <laughs> important details of it. <laughs> I got a joke. I got a joke, but I don't even know what the punchline is. I got that's one step from the slowest joke, which is just having someone else tell the joke. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, Sunny D is terrible, but I always really like Tang. Do you like Tang? Tang is Tang is delicious. Tang, Tang is, is delicious. Really good. Tang has a more, I haven't had Tang in probably ten years. Tang has a more of a bite to it. Yeah. It's like Sunny D is like again, it feels like bland, but it's not. It's weird. It's a weird. There's a chemical aspect to Sunny D. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, yeah but Tang. Tang probably, astronauts, right? Wasn't there something with astronauts for Tank? They I thought, tank I thought it came out of NASA. That's the yeah. rumor. Right. Know, it might be true. We have the internet. We can look it up. We could, but I don't want to. You don't want, yeah. Let's you should look it up on yeah. your computer so it stops it's, again. No, I don't know what it's from. I think Tang actually came from the moon. They they harvest it from they the did. moon. And then now we drink it. Yeah, these, uh, they have these things called Tang berries that yeah, grow on the moon. berries on the moon. They only grow. They only grow on the dark side of the moon, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, too much that's light. Where, that's where it. the cheese is as well. Yeah. yeah cheese yeah. and tang berries. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, as far as the library, that's yes. how I found all those books, basically. Yeah. I, found, I, was I, mean, looking, I, yeah. I was looking up one, and I found the call number, and I went to that section, and I found it, and then everything next to it was like, that looks interesting, that looks interesting, yeah. I'm going to take them all. By the way, that's, of course, that's the yeah. only way that you end up with that many library books. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But Bastard. you also don't really get that internet-wise. You don't. You don't. I mean, you know what? Sometimes articles, like on some of the databases, it'll say, oh, you might also like this. And it makes mm-hmm. sort of a 
uh, recommendations. And but, I mean, I guess it's not and, the same. And reference lists are kind of that in ways. That's not, I'll sometimes find things yeah. that are related, but I don't think it's the same. No, no it's it's because really here you even you get something that's just a variety. I mean, yeah. it may not even be the exact same thing, but it's like kind of around or in the wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah and you can thumb through. You know, throw, 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 you carry them all like like an old yeah. fashioned scholar. You take your satchel. Uh, no, I have my backpack with no. me. You should, take, you should get a satchel. Like I should. Well, I have a, my green satchel. Yeah, we can't fit saddle. that many books in it. Well, saddle well, saddlebag. I want to get a saddle. saddlebag, dude. Like Dwayne Wayne on a. Did you ever watch a different world? Was that your thing? No, <laughs> a different world was a spinoff of the Cosby Show. Okay, I think I I know I know of it. Yeah, and so it follows like, I think uh, students who go to one of the one of the daughters. Denise, I think, she uh, goes to like HBCU, Historically Black College, uh-huh. and um, they just follow characters there. Anyway, so okay. a character on there, Dwayne Wayne, he would always rock, the, I think in the later years, but he would rock this saddlebag <laughs> over one shoulder. Nice. And uh, I think that's what they're called, like saddlebags. Like a messenger bag? Like a, we're talking about? It's like a pouch on the front, but you, you hang it over the shoulder. What? It just, and it just kind like of a, Like a holster look up, look for up, a gun? Look up, look up saddlebag real quick, man. I, I thought that was uh, like a thing you put on horses or a uh, bike or a bike. Look up shoulder saddlebag. Shoulder saddlebag. Um, yeah, but he would rock that. And I, I kind of want one. I want one like leather. How, with, about, how about a uh, just a fanny pack? N- well, that can't hold books. Oh, you're right. What if you get like a big... Shoulder... What's it, what am I looking up again? Shoulder uh, saddlebag. Shoulder saddlebag. Saddlebag. Yeah, what if I had a big fanny pack that was just like long? <laughs> like, like, like dragged on the ground? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just carry my books in there. No, yeah, but it was my wear, and it keeps you wear it around the back, and, and it has wheels on the back of it, so it gets like following like a big old tail. I was gonna say, if it's in the front, it just swings back and forth, so it keeps on hitting you in the nuts. Like, oh, I'm learning, but I'm hurting myself at the same time. This is terrible. Uh, so the ma- the main thing that comes up when you look that up stuff? are no are uh, shoulders of meat, <laughs> um, shoulders of lamb. Here, shoulder saddlebag. Here we go. Is that a, it looks like a purse. You see it? Hold on, it's I, loading. It's I, loading. I mean, I won't. I mean, I these look like purses. Whoa, that's not. That's <laughs> not what I'm talking about. I think you want a messenger bag. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you want a messenger bag. <clears throat> yeah, it's probably it's probably a messenger bag. <laughs> yeah, it de- it definitely is not a saddle bag. I don't I don't <laughs> I don't know what. I <laughs> saddle bags are definitely know, no, no. a thing that you put on bikes, though. No, 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 no. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, like on motorcycles, on the side of a motorcycle or on a bike, you oh. put things in there. Yeah, okay. Like a, well, you, you just want a man purse. <laughs> I see you scrolling through all these images, and I'm not, seeing them. Not but, what you're looking for? Uh, they look like they're supposed to go on um, bikes. Bikes. Yeah. Over the shoulder bag. I mean, that's essentially it. That's, that's what a messenger bag is. I think. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Find one. That might be for a horse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes. What, what's a messenger bag look like? Like my kind of like my green bag, except I mean, there's lots of different types of messenger bags. It just has like the one strap. It can have lots of pockets that's, in it. It can just be like a satchel, like my green bag, like this one. And that's not that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this type of thing. But I think he's wearing a horse bag. <laughs> I think he's wearing a horse bag. <laughs> So you want a horse bag. All right. Oh, God. Glad we ironed that out. I don't remember how we how we got onto that topic, but um, there you go. Saddlebags. Eric, Saddlebags, Middleton. All right, dude. Oh, we were talking about going to the library. That's right. We're going to the library, carrying books. Have you ever gotten, have you ever reserved a, uh, what are they called, a carol up on the library? You can, like, reserve 
like your own specific like desk area that even has like little shelves and stuff on it that's just yours. Oh no. I've never done that either. But do you, you just bring in your books temporarily for it or I mean I think you can book it for the entire semester. I think at the, oh, begin- wow. the beginning of every semester for certain hours? there's um oh, wow. I think you just get it per- permanently. You you it basically gets you line up I'm pretty sure there's like a long line at the beginning of every semester where people where students are lining up to sign up for their own personal library care. That would be so limited though. What do you mean? I mean like you wouldn't have enough care. I mean I mean, they're on all they're on all the other like on floors two through four. Like but you would have to edge. rotate hours. I mean, you couldn't use it. You couldn't. I'm pretty sure, like it's just maybe it's hours, but I'm pretty sure it's like this is yours for the semester, and you can and you can use it at any See, time. See, that wouldn't make any sense though, because what about because not, not very efficient? It, yeah, it's not efficient. Yeah, I think I think I don't think it's necessarily. Then they just go. They just efficiency. go unused for a period of time. Yeah. yeah. You know See, what? you're getting all org, org scholar on this and I'm figuring sorry. out efficiency. You know what? It's oh just it's, keep it nice and simple. This is yours. You can use it whenever you want. If someone's in it, you can kick them out. Always, Samuel. Always about the individual. <laughs> always yeah, about right. the individual. Um, I've never done it though, and neither of you. So that's the end of this conversation. Although I kind of want to, but I also don't like working in the library. I don't either. I don't either. Where are your favorite places to work? Uh. I really don't have any favorite place anymore. Yeah. Because it yeah. kind of depends on what you're doing or depends. or your mindset at the time or how do you decide where you're going to work on a day? Uh, the resources there. So I like the workhouse because it has the big monitor there. Right. Um, if I had a place with two big monitors, I'd go there. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, if I don't need to work in the workhouse, I'll sometimes go to Hagel's, man. Yeah. When it, in the morning and it's quiet there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like desk space. Yeah. You can get pretty big tables there. I like a little bit of action. Without too much yeah. distraction, you yeah. know. I don't want it dead silent. Sometimes the yeah. higher floors uh, are just too in the library, too morbid. I feel like I'm in the morgue or something. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And then in the cafe sometimes it's annoying because um, it, it, the internet internet does not work as well as it should. Yeah. Um, so you were at my very short talk the other day. Did yeah. you get what I was saying there? Do you did that resonate with you at all? I got a lot of black blanks. Stairs, but some people also agreed uh, with me. I mean, I think you were saying like the assumption is that your work has to be done in this sort of this type right. of place, one type of place for doing work. And also just the fact that as graduate students and knowledge workers in general, work is actually lots of different things that require different mindsets. Yeah. It's not like you're showing up and cranking through these widgets every day. Some yeah. days you got to be super creative and come up with ideas. Some days you just got to crank through data analysis. Yeah. And the assumption that you have to do that stuff in the same place or the same way doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And yeah. putting a little bit of thought just into, right, what do I need to actually do today? And is this the best environment for me to do that? Yeah. was really just the thing I was trying to get across. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it was good. I mean I, I, I mean, I kind of took away from it also just trying to become aware. So trying to be aware of when you are productive in a yeah. environment so then you yeah. can then continue to choose those environments yeah if you don't notice exactly yeah, so there's notice. a self-awareness component to it and there's an also a component that i didn't get to talk to about at all but experimentation as well yeah like just trying it out and then having that self-awareness to know how it went yeah like i've never worked at this place before but i'm gonna try it out and see how it goes and oh at the end of the session it seemed to go pretty well maybe i'll do it again in the future yeah. or this didn't work at all i'm gonna scratch that off my list and just playing with these different parts of our work to tweak them to figure out what is the best combination of them, I think it's a. I, I enjoy that process at least. I think it has potential important ramifications for doing the work well and maybe even enjoying it a little bit more. I'm going to start up a company called New Room. New Room. All right. What's it do? 
It's a room that you go to. Okay. Like, it could be a coffee eh, It's not a coffee shop. But it has like the, you know, screens on the outside. Maybe maybe not cubicles, but basically it'll create the environment. <laughs> I, I don't know. In my mind, you, you, it restructures and reshapes to create a different sort of environment for you based on what your need is. That's... Sometimes you got some levels. Sometimes you don't got levels. You know what? You're you think you're being crazy, but no, no, not being okay. Steel Steelcase does things like this. What's, uh, there's a furniture office furniture company. Oh yeah, but yeah, they're yeah. doing they're create. I mean, that's actually how the cubicle first started. Yeah, yeah. It's the the idea that it could, you could move things around and yeah, create now, how you want it, and and then very quickly companies realized you could cram a lot of people into a small amount of space with cubicles. Yeah, which is just funny that the because the creator of cubicles that was not his intention. Yeah, I remember reading at, about that at yeah. all. Um, I, no, I'm fascinated by how physical work how our physical workspaces affect the way we think about work and do work yeah. i'd love to work for a company like Steelcase or something and do i mean there's a lot of very empirical work you could do around that too setting up little studies and seeing how people work i guess i just know that in my own experience the my physical surroundings have a huge impact on how i'm yeah. working and and sometimes i wish they didn't i wish i could just be anywhere and do any type of work cuz it would be a lot simpler that mm-hmm. way but i don't think that's necessarily something I can strive for. Yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a way to trick your brain into thinking that you're somewhere else. Part of it is the music that I listen to, I think. Yeah. If I can put on headphones that really block out the sound and I have my work music that my brain knows it's time to work, that helps. I can do work m- more places with that. Yeah. But what, what, do you have something else in mind as far as, tri- <laughs> as, far as tricking your brain? I was going to go crazy. And I was going to say, I'm, I, I like, was just very rational right there. I have a feeling you had something else. <laughs> I was going like, to talk about like virtual reality. Or, <laughs> you know, that's becoming pretty huge now. Like people yeah. are really starting to talk about you know Oculus and stuff. Yeah. Well, throw. Oh man, you throw on the Oculus, and now you're suddenly you think you're sitting by a river, uh, or somewhere really calm, and you're really at work. It would have to be some sort of augmented reality where you could still see. You could still see your yeah. stuff. You know. So that's a good idea. Maybe. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, start, time to start this company. Me and you. Honestly, here's the thing. Those types of ideas are way more accessible than you think because you just need the people who can do it. But to develop software, you just need the team to do it. The team, especially these startup companies, a team of motivated people, so you don't have to pay them as much. But but I'm saying this as you grow together type thing. That's that's what I mean. Um, uh, It's an interesting use idea, though, for kind of VR, virtual reality or augmented reality because everybody's thinking things like, video games yes. or movies or something. Um, it was kind of a big deal. Didn't Facebook buy Oculus? Pretty sure they did. Maybe so. Which is kind of a, I always thought was kind of a weird pairing of, of companies, but I could see, yeah, I don't know. I like your idea. Let's make yeah. it happen. I mean, y'all, I don't know how true it is, but you always hear about like Bill Gates houses have pictures that change whatever based on who walks in the room. That, know, sounds, they have like, that, that sounds like, you know, Harry they Potter. have stuff like that, you know, sounds like, Harry Oh, Potter. Dumbledore. <laughs> Hey, Dumbledore. Dumbledore. I don't think the name is Dumbledore. Isn't Dumbledore? I have no idea, man. <laughs> Dumbledore. Isn't he a dwarf or something? That's <laughs> that's um, yeah. Actually, I, I always thought it was. I don't know. Whatever. What's Hogwarts? Oh. Is Hogwarts a person? No. Oh my goodness. I'm gonna have to do some Harry Potter learning for you right here. No. Hogwarts is a place. Okay. <laughs> it's right. Hogwarts a person. Okay. So it sounds like it'd be an ugly person. Hogwarts. I'm, ho- I'm Hogwarts. <laughs> Um, I guess I, had a I, thought, used to, I, used to, I used to say I got to go to Hogwarts to drop off my Dumbledore when I use the bathroom. I don't even know what that means, but I just like using the reference to talk right. about my poops. <laughs> nice. Uh, I just realized though, if we, if your idea about uh, augmented reality or virtual reality at work, what what companies would inevitably do is just get a warehouse 
with a bunch of extension cords. Everybody would sit in the warehouse and put on their virtual reality and feel like they're somewhere awesome, but they're really just sitting in a warehouse together. Yeah. Is that a bad thing? Uh, if people think they're actually how much, awesome? How much Black Mirror have you watched? Not enough. Only the first oh, episode. Gosh, Sorry. Man, is that man. is that a thing? It's not a thing, but it's sim- you're, you're definitely... There's I'm, two episodes I'm, I'm combined that sort of get into this. Okay. Oh my God, there's one. Oh, my, oh yeah. There's, there's stuff that sort of connects. It's not exact, but it made me immediately think about these episodes, right. well, which I really want to talk I about. Got, I got to get on that then. Yeah. I will at some point. But that's, I guess, a philosophical question for you. Yeah, philosophical. I mean, what do, what do you think we now do with drones? Uh, uh, UA, uh, UAS is what they call it. Yeah. Unmanned air systems is, yeah. is what they call it. But they have places where they're just people sitting on computers. Yeah. In a room, drones. Yeah, flying drones across the world. across the world. You know, and they're just sitting there doing. You know, uh, how do I feel about that? Let's go back to dignity. I mean, does or let's go back to even just job uh, job characteristics and stuff like that. Okay. Will, will sitting at a computer with a headset, headset on, will that do to these things, these aspects of the job that are important for, I guess, a person being All right? happy or satisfied or engaged well what if you just think of it this way all right so jobs that already exist like software developer mm-hmm. instead of having these nice offices that you get by working at a nice company instead you don't have that you go into this drab warehouse and you sit side by side really close with other people but you have now this virtual reality headset that makes you think you have yeah. the stuff that you has you said before isn't perception the thing that matters yeah i mean mm-hmm. what is um yeah. What did the guy say in the Matrix uh, movie when he gets goes back in? Oh, yeah, I think he just said he gives That's not what the quote I was looking for. But basically, not knowing the true reality around you. You know what this is? You know what we're talking better. about? We're talking about the allegory of the cave, Plato. Exactly. That's oh, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah we are about. talking about this. I just thought like, I came up with this cool yeah. philosophical question. We're talking about the allegory of the cave. Yeah. <laughs> and whether or not that – and the Matrix, which is the same thing, basically. Yeah. Um, that's a That's a – Yeah. That's a hard true freedom or think you're free. Hmm. What is your true freedom? Well, I don't, freedom? Wait, wait, uh, I don't you know? know. That's that's now we we have Gosh, stepped into a deep uh, freedom deep hole here. Freedom. I need to actually look another Adam Curtis movie. I'll, I'll get it. But they start talking about they start um, in one of these documentaries that I love of Adam Curtis's who did Century of the Self. Also has one that talks about freedom and it talks about this idea of it really it's interesting. I think it's called the power. It's called the power of nightmares. And he does a really interesting job of juxtaposing, and again, I'm not getting political here, but this is the aspect of the movie. He juxtaposes, um, is that the proper term? He basically talks about two things in parallel. Yeah. The rise of the um, neoconservatism mm-hmm. and also like Islamic extremists. Mm. And he talks about the idea of like freedom. And both have this idea of what freedom is. Well, I feel like I'm misquoting. Anyway, two sides have this idea of what freedom is. Mm-hmm. And, um, in the, when he's talking about freedom, he might be talking about like the neoconservatives and the, the the liberals in the United States, but both sides have this idea of what freedom is. And some think that freedom is, you know, we we need to control you so that you can be liberated type thing, versus others are like, oh, you just let them be free and do crazy stuff. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's really interesting. The terminology and stuff used in that documentary was really interesting, and uh, watching it will really make you think if you're hmm. if that's your if that's your thing. Hmm. Um, but opposed, like, yeah, what, what's, what's freedom? What is this? We, we say it, we want people to be free and all this stuff, but are we really ever? Are we really ever, man? Hey, man. 
it's like the idea of empowerment too at work. Like, yeah. like is it truly empowerment if management is enabling you to is like we're going to let our employees be empowered and do things well yeah. is that actual empowerment if you have to if it can only be done because management says you can yeah <laughs> i mean i was or even the idea of i remember having a job in high you know in college and the pay was terrible i mean it was like a job it was a yeah job. job job and um it might have been like a blockbuster or something like that and so this idea of empowerment just by asking a person questions but without doing other things is a pointless. And I, right. I remember at some point, actually it might have been when I was working at the country club. I don't know. At some at one of these jobs, I was just like, the dude was asking me all sorts of questions. And I'm like, dude, I just, you don't pay me to answer hard questions. Like, <laughs> pay me more and I'll yeah. make these decisions for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right now you're just paying me to do it. Like, I don't understand. I, this is just, I'm in, I'm in college. I'm not building, I'm what, not what building doing? a career from this. Yeah. Or, yeah. And like, but then the other aspects of the job were sucked. Like, mm-hmm. and his other management yeah. stuff was terrible. You know yeah. what I mean? And but there's like this almost a pseudo. Hey, let me get your opinion about this. Right, right. So maybe that's kind not even f- faking uh, care error. Yeah, like, when it's not really. Like, come on, bro. You got you got to tie that to actual physical reality of yeah. the job and how you treat people in the job for that to matter. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm a thirsty dude. I did not bring any water this time. What time are we at about right now? We're at uh, about an hour fifteen. Let's do. A, uh, let's take a little break right now. Take a little break. We'll come back. Fiver. A little, little, little interlude. That's the end of our first half of our long conversation. So please excuse the abrupt ending. But as usual, if you enjoy the podcast. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it if you would find us on iTunes and leave a rating, or even better, leave us a review. That would make us warm and fuzzy inside. Thanks, and see you next week for the second half of our super long conversation. It's going to get weird.